Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 481 for the 25th of Adar in a regular year. So there is this poem which started circulating around the internet in the mid-2000s, and it is attributed to an unknown monk in around the 12th century CE. So I have doubts as to if this is the real origin of it. I don't know where the origin of it is, but nevertheless, it is a very deep poem and it relates to what we're going to be learning about today. So I thought that I'd read it to you. It might sound familiar to you. So here we go. This is how it goes. When I was a young man, I wanted to change the world. I found it was difficult to change the world. So I tried to change my nation. When I found I couldn't change the nation, I began to focus on my town. I couldn't change the town. And as an older man, I tried to change my family. Now, as an old man, I realized that the only thing I can change is myself. And suddenly, I realized that if long ago I had changed myself, I could have made an impact on my family. My family and I could have made an impact on our town. Their impact could have changed the nation, and I could indeed have changed the world. So that's the poem. So... It's this simple idea that maybe you have heard before that instead of focusing on trying to change the world and going and rallying for different causes and stuff, first focus on your family, first focus really on yourself, and then everything else will follow. So today's Tanya really focuses on this idea, but the really profound thing about the Tanya and the approach that the Tanya has is it doesn't even take it as far as the poem does in the sense that it doesn't say that once you change yourself, this will inevitably lead you to change your family and so forth. It it merely stops at change yourself, which really is an amazing idea because what we're going to be learning in the Tanya today is this idea of how our powers of changing ourselves internally really have an effect on a in a cosmic level on the entirety of the world. So yes, it will extend out to our families and to our nations and all that stuff, but not in this like logical way that the poem is kind of describing it. That like, I guess the basic idea that I'm getting from the poem is that if you change yourself, you'll be a nicer person and this will lead you to act nice to other people and then other people will act nice in turn and that kind of thing. So while that might be true, the Tanya is kind of approach, approaching this topic in a much more cosmic way and in a much more spiritual kind of way in the sense of it's of what we're going to be learning is how changing yourself internally really has a spiritual cosmic effect on the entire world in this really real authentic way. So let's get into the text to see what I'm talking about here. And for context, we are still in the middle of chapter 37 of Likutamaram. So the Aldrabah says that since the, the collective 
animal soul that is found within the collectivity of Israel will now become a chariot for the holiness of God, then what this causes, so if you remember last time, just pause for a second, we were talking about this idea that when all Jewish people, all Jewish souls keep God's Torah, this causes our souls to become vehicles for God, to become chariots for God, just like the souls of the Avos, the forefathers were chariots for God. So when this happens, when all Jewish souls, specifically the animal souls of all, all Jewish people become chariots for God, this causes that the entirety of the vitality of the entire world, this world, which is Klipas Noga, will now go outside of its impurity and its sickness, and it will rise up to Kedusha, to holiness, to become a chariot for God in revealing his glory and everybody will see his glory and this will and he will appear to them in great grandeur and the ultra but describes this poetically by bringing in a few citations for this first of all from Yeshayahu chapter 40 verse 5 where it says that all flesh will behold godliness together then there's another verse from Bamidbar, chapter 14, verse 21, which says, which means the glory of God will fill the entire world. So this whole idea here basically is saying that in eventually what will happen, and this is really through our actions, when we transform our animal souls, this has an effect on the entirety of the vitality of the world, the entirety of the klipas noga, this, these translucent husks that give life force to the entirety of the world. And everybody will see this. It will be something that is totally visible to the, to the to our physical eyes. Every single person in the world will see this, just like it happened when we received the Torah. Which at the, that time, what happened when we received the Torah? This is a verse that explains this that the Altar Rabbi brings from Devarim chapter four, verse thirty-five. That you showed yourself so that it be known that Hashem is the Lord. There is nothing else beside Him. So we had this experience once before at the time of the giving of the Torah, and the Altar Rabbi is saying that in the future to come, we're going to have this experience once again. And we're going to see that there is nothing other than God. And through this, then the, the three impure klipos that are totally impure will also become swallowed and subsumed. So remember, we talked about how those three impure klipos, the three impure husks cannot be transformed. So at this time, they will become totally nullified and subsumed. So why? And swallowed up. So why? Because... Because now, at this time, they're going to be receiving their vitality and suckling from holiness through the Klipas Noga, which is the intermediary between them. Because So just to break that down, so if you remember, we talked about how there are different types of Klipas. There are husks that totally conceal godliness. These are the three impure Klipas. And these three impure Klipas have no chance of redemption. They cannot be transformed. They totally are very opaque. There's no way for godliness to become revealed through them at all. And then we have something called Klipas Noga, which is this very interesting type of husk, type of Klipa, which is more translucent in nature, which means that while it does conceal godliness in its more natural state, it has the ability to transform and it has the ability to go either way. So it could conceal godliness totally or through our actions, we can actually make it such that it actually reveals godliness. And so these three impure Klipas, they receive their vitality from Klipas Noga. So Klipas Noga is sort of like the intermediate that 
causes everything, this life force to go through. So once we got the Klipas Noga to be on board with holiness by doing God's will and keeping the commandments, and so now it's it's transformed into godliness, into holiness. So now these three impure Klipas, they are also receiving their vitality from holiness and godliness. And this is like the antithesis of their nature. So then they fall away. They get swallowed up. They no longer exist. So that's the end of this section. So just to bring it back all together. So what this is teaching us is a really, really amazing thing. It's saying basically that when we keep God's Torah, then we've already learned about how this really transforms us and it transforms our souls, our godly souls, our animal souls, our bodies and all that stuff. But not only that, it actually transforms the entire world. And so when we look at these studies like the Maharishi effects, and maybe there are other studies like that as well, I believe there are this idea of positive thought and everything and and having our effects, having this effect on our, our actions, our, our little actions within our homes, even like within the little space of who, where we live, how this can actually affect the world around us. I think that this is really a small demonstration, a small illustration of this bigger idea, which is what Tanya is teaching us, that this is really a very true thing, that when we keep Torah and mitzvahs, it's not just affecting ourselves in our own little home where we're keeping these mitzvahs, it's actually affecting the entire world. Because there's a direct channel from our life force that is keeping these mitzvahs to the life force of the entire world. And this life force of the entire world affects everything, even things that are totally not holy at all. Because when the life force of the world is connected to holiness, then things that are not holy, things that do not reflect God at all, cannot exist. They they cannot, they have nothing left to stand on because they that that's where they receive their vitality from. And now the Altar Rabbi goes on to say that it is found that the entire purpose of the days of Mashiach and the revelation of the dead, which is when we reveal the glory of God and his blessed godliness to eradicate the spirit of impurity from earth. So, right. So this is the ultimate purpose of creation is to reveal God down here and eradicate the spirit of spirit of impurity here. This is all dependent on drawing down his godliness and the light of the Ein Sof into the animal soul that is found in the the collectivity of Israel in all of its 248 organs through keeping all of the 248 positive commandments, as well as to eradicate the spirit of impurity from it through keeping the 365 transgressions of the negative commandments so that the 365 vessels will not be able to draw their life force, will not be able to suckle from these negative energies. So the whole purpose of creation is to draw godliness down here into this world and to eradicate the spirit of impurity from the world. And now the way that this happens is actually through the Jewish people. So we are really, really, really essential to this plan. And it's through the Jewish people keeping God's Torah, which is made up, the mitzvahs are made up of 248 positive commandments and 365 negative commandments. These two aspects happen. So by keeping the 248 positive commandments, what we do is we draw down godly energy into our souls. And this drawing down of godly energy into our souls causes the draw, drawing down of godly energy, godliness into the entirety of the world. And through us performing the 365 negative commandments, which means really just refraining from doing the things that we're not supposed to do, this causes like a blockage of the 
impure energy to come down both into our souls and by extension into the entire world because the energy, the spirit of impurity can only receive its vitality and energy when it has something to suckle from, when it has these negative forces to suckle from, which receive their vitality from these transgressions, these things that go against the will of God. So when we refrain from doing things that are against the will of God, we block this flow and we don't allow it to happen. So that's how it happens. So it's really amazing. So really going back to our message in the beginning, it really is about starting from the inside in our true and real way. So it's not about going out there and finding the most amazing cause that will save planet earth from climate change or war or racism or any of any kind of cause that you can think of, whatever it might be, that's not what's going to change the world. What's really going to change, I mean, maybe it will change the world on some level because I'm sure anything that we do in a positive way will change something. But if you really want to change the world for real, in a cosmic way, you really, really have to not only start with yourself, but continue with yourself and end with yourself. So the focus really needs to be on yourself. The focus needs to be on the inside. And one thing that I'll just add here that I remember learning and I thought it was a really cool idea. This is not part of today's Tanya per se, but I think it is really relevant. So those of you who are somewhat uh, familiar with Chabad Chasadas are probably familiar with the idea of Ufaratsta, which literally means, and you shall spread forth. And the way, and this is taken from a Pasuk in Torah, where Yaakov, our forefather, is promised by God in a dream that his descendants will spread forth to all corners of the earth. And so the Chabad movement has kind of taken this on as its motto to go out and spread Judaism to the entirety of the world, as we see with different Chabad houses all over the world and things like that. But I actually remember learning in seminary something really cool about this idea, where that nowadays we think of this idea of Ufaratsta as like really being in this more overt sense of going out there, doing mitzayim, doing acts of goodness, going out into the world and affecting other people, teaching other people, stuff like that. But originally, I believe it was with the Hasidim of the Mitzel Rebbe, they actually took this in a much more, this phrase of Ufaratzda in a much more psychological sense, in a much more internal sense. And what they what they understood the phrase Ufaratzda to mean was that you should spread forth your inner potential, your inner abilities, your inner godly soul, and you you should have that spread forth into who you are. So they really understood this idea of Ufaratsta as not about going out there and changing the world, as spreading light into the world so much, but more about really focusing on having your inner light spread forth out of who you are and have it sh shine on the outside of who you are. So the basic idea is that it's really about self. It's really about self-transformation. And when we, when we can really focus on aligning ourselves with God's mitzvahs, then this really will have a cosmic reverberation on the entirety of the world. So continuing with the text now, the Altar Rebbe says that the collectivity of the Jewish people, which is the 600,000 souls, neshamos to be specific, individual 600,000 souls are the, in the collectivity of the vitality of the collectivity of the world. So again, so these 600,000 collective souls are the collectivity of the vitality of the world itself. Why? Because this is why the world was created. So the world was created for these 600,000 souls. And each one of these 600,000 souls, these 600,000 collective souls, contains and is related to the vitality of one aspect of the world. So the world too is also divided up into 600,000 parts. And each 600,000 
soul is related to one six hundred and thousandth of the world. So I hope that makes sense. And this particular aspect of the world, this six hundred thousandth part of the world is dependent upon the animal soul in order to become elevated to God. So there's this interconnectedness between our animal souls and the world. So meaning to say that when we utilize different things in the world for our bodies and for our souls, for our animal souls to serve God. So for example, when we eat and when we drink and these kind of things, our homes and all of the things we use in the world, like the different tools we use in the world, when we use these things in order to serve God, then these objects that we're using to serve God become elevated in this particular way. And so each one of us has like a portion of the world that is our portion to elevate to God. And then the ultra bit goes on and explains this more like sub bigger subdivision aspect that's taking place where he says that, but these 600,000 particular souls are just soul roots and every root further subdivides into 600,000 sparks where each spark is one particular neshama, one particular soul. And then not only that, this is similarly the case with the nefesh and the ruach, which are other levels of the soul that are in each world of the four worlds, which are Atsilis, Bria, Etira, and Asiya. So now's not the time to get into like a fully detailed account of all of these things of the the four worlds I kind of talked about it before and the three levels of the soul but the basic point that the ultra rabbi is trying to bring out here is that this is why we have when we look in the world there, there's more than six hundred thousand jews and there's it's been this way for quite a while but this is because these six hundred thousand souls are merely soul roots that get further subdivided and further subdivided depending on levels and worlds and different aspects and all kinds of different different things like that so that's the end of the section today so the basic idea again to sum it up is this basic idea that every single one of us has a particular portion of the world that is related to our particular soul and just as the different souls of the jewish people are divided and subdivided and subdivided into particular particular sparks the world is also subdivided in this way and there's an interrelationship going on and so Every single one of us is very much needed because the vitality of the world is dependent on the vitality of the Jewish people because the world was created for us. So every single one of us, me, you, everybody else, we all have an individual spark of our soul that's related to an individual part of creation that we were put here to elevate. And the way that we elevate it is by utilizing the world for godly purposes. So when we utilize the food we come in contact with, the drink we come in contact with, the homes we come in contact with, all the different things we contact in our on, during our time here on earth, that elevates these things in the world. So if you really think about it, it's like we there's this idea in Judaism that everything is in the hands of heaven except for fear of heaven. So a lot of our lives were really not our choice. Where we were born, we didn't choose that. Who we were, which family we were born into, we didn't choose that. Even where we live right now, it might seem like it was our choice, but ultimately it wasn't. The jobs we have, who we marry, even all of these things really are th are things that were put into our lap, put into our periphery even if we say that it was our choice to a certain extent the choices that we had in different times and moments and opportunities 
that we had in our lives. These were all given to us by God. So what we do have a choice to do is that these is, is what we do with these things. So these objects that were put into our periphery, put into our lives, into our world, this is God's way of telling us these things are part of your soul sparks. These things are part of your world, are part of the aspects of the world that is related to your soul spark, and you have the obligation to elevate these things. So now it can give us a really strong sense of meaningfulness in our in our lives. So it's no longer about how good looking we are, how smart we are, those kind of things. It's about looking around the world and looking at the objects in our world and in our lives and realizing that these things are not random and these things have been placed in front of us for a purpose because they are related to our particular mission down here, our particular soul. And we have the obligation and the responsibility to vitalize these things and to reveal the inherent godliness in these things by using using these objects for godly purposes. So I know that's quite intense, but that's the message of today. And uh, it's it can be quite encouraging, I think, for people who maybe lose sight with having a sense of mission or having a sense of purpose here and we will continue tomorrow with this chapter it's going to keep going for a little while and i'll speak to you then thanks for listening to the it is top podcast hosted by sarit switzer this podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather avraham yitzhak ben binyamina cohen of blessed memory music by shoshana if you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show Please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Taught project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.